When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From going, not knowing anything about surrogacy uh, to having a little boy via surrogacy, it saved me. It saved me and my husband going through that process and science is amazing and women are amazing everything feels insurmountable and like you can't imagine that you'll be able to deal with that or you'll feel that way and just i'd say just wait just wait and see and you won't believe how incredible it is and how resilient you can be surrogacy is magical it's the one of the most magical experiences of my life that's for sure Hello and welcome to the My Surrogacy Journey podcast. We have a really exciting episode for you today and two wonderful guests, Sophie Beresina and Sophie Smith, to talk about being an intended mother. I'm so looking forward to this conversation because from a personal point of view, I've actually never had the opportunity to talk to intended mothers, so um, this is really exciting. It's no coincidence that all three of us, in different ways, talk publicly about our experience. We work to support others and to change the narrative. Surrogacy really sticks with you, and in this conversation, we're going to explain why. Hi, I'm Sophie Berezina. I'm a journalist and author, and I have a one-year-old daughter born via surrogacy. Hi, I'm Sophie Smith, and I am a women's wear buyer. And I have a one-year-old little boy called Leo who was born via surrogacy. Before we go into everything, actually, I've just realised we've got two Sophies. So (laughs) can I call you Sophie B and Sophie S? Yeah. Sophie S, should we start with you? Can you first start, tell tell me why, why surrogacy? So... Our journey to trying to conceive was quite complicated, myself and my husband's journeys, and we suffered seven, I think it was about seven in the end, I lost count, seven miscarriages during the course of six years, and that included two ectopic pregnancies, so I lost both my tubes within that time as well, and also had a very low egg reserve. So we had quite a lot going on, and... Luckily for me, one of my best friends came to me during quite a difficult time and said that she would be our surrogate should we choose to go down that route. And it took a little while to decide that that was the best route for us. But in the end, we decided that we would give it a go. And luckily, it worked first time. So we got our little miracle baby boy Leo um, who was born in 2020. And so Phoebe what's your what was your route to Marley? I love it that we're like the Sophie surrogate <laughs> <I know>. club. <laughs> my route to Marley I lost my fertility to chemotherapy after breast cancer and then I tried 
to carry my own baby but with donor eggs five times five rounds of IVF which sadly didn't work and then we went to the states to do surrogacy and tried over there for a good couple of years that didn't work and then we ended up coming back home and finishing our story in the UK with an amazing surrogate called Rebecca who found me on Instagram (laughs) and sent me a DM and we met she was just absolutely amazing and we had one embryo left in America we flew over together and it worked and we have our beautiful baby Marley who was also born in 2020. (laughs) So I've got three children all who were born through international surrogacy so there's me with international Sophie S with with a friend and then Sophie B independent but in the UK. Did you Sophie B did you when you were I guess surrogacy for you, you had to do it. Was it a long conversation or a difficult decision to get to with you and Mr. B or? It wasn't a long conversation. I think it always felt like the backup plan that we didn't want to have to do. So I remember we were, we were doing donor egg IVF in Russia. So I went to Russia eight times in a year and it's quite a long flight. It's like five hours. (laughs) And every time I would come back after an embryo transfer, I just remember looking out the window when we take off and thinking, please let this work because I don't want to have to do surrogacy. And now that I've done surrogacy, I can't believe that I used to think that. But in the end, when we had to stop trying because I had to go back on my endocrine therapy medication, we just we talked about it on a car journey. And I think we were just like, right, well, we just have to do surrogacy. We can't stop. We'll do it in the States because it's so highly regulated and it's, we basically felt like if we did it there, it would be a no brainer and it would just work. I don't know why we thought that, (laughs) but that's what we thought. And it just felt like a relief. It wasn't a long conversation. And I remember driving and saying, this feels really right. Like I feel like I, so much weight has just dropped off my shoulders and it's really weird. And he said, I feel exactly the same way. And it, it just was the right thing. It's weird. I always remember when we transferred an embryo to Chapala, our first surrogate, that and then getting realizing that we were pregnant, that feeling of relief that finally my body that had let me down, we weren't relying on my yeah. body anymore, that it was, we were relying on someone else's body who'd had healthy pregnancies and she was fertile and we could just move on and it did it just felt like this massive weight was lifted mm. so the essence so i think one of the things when when we started looking about surrogacy and whether uk or international i remember my best friend said to me i'm really i hadn't even asked her and i think she said i'm really sorry i can't do it it will change our friendship forever mm-hmm. and we'd grown up together and that was fine i'd never even thought to ask her but she obviously felt that she had to sort of acknowledge the kind of elephant in the room. How was that conversation with you and Em? And how do you do that with a friend? I mean, Em approached us for one. I didn't even know anything about surrogacy when she approached us. I thought it was something that would be completely financially difficult to do and that we'd have to go to America. And I knew that there were, you know, there was a lot that would go into that decision. So she approached us just after we'd had our fifth round of IVF, which had gone uh, wrong. (laughs) And at that point, I just thought she was crazy because I was like, that is such an amazing thing to offer someone. But 
really are you are you being serious type thing and like I said it was another six months down the line she wrote us emails she was actually pregnant with her second child at the time uh, whilst offering to be our surrogate and it took yeah six months of discussions with her and her husband and me and, and my husband to make sure that actually it was something that we felt we could all go through together because we were very close we'd known each other since we were 12 I tried to put her off it if I'm honest I you know I sent her articles about where it had gone wrong and you know said what if it does affect our friendship I don't want to lose a friend over this but she was very matter of fact she'd done all her research and she'd done it all before she even approached us and she knew she could do it and I guess one of the things for me was you know this child if this works will always be in your life how are you going to feel about that and she said to me that it makes me emotional thinking about it but she said to me it's nine months of my life for the rest of your life and at that point I just knew that she was the one that I wanted to to try for us and we call her special auntie M or Leo will always call her special auntie M like uh, her children Molly and Theo call me um, auntie Sophie so she always said we'll have exactly the same relationship she will with Leo as I do with her children and so far that is exactly how it has been (laughs) that's so amazing because I think it just takes a really special and specific kind of person to want to be a surrogate and I think like your best friend I've had a few people approach me and say that they want to do it and I always try and put them off Mm. and that's you you do feel like like, this is a really big thing you have to talk to your family and then they think about it and then they say no I couldn't actually and Mm. I always say you should never feel bad for saying that you don't want to do it because I I don't think I could do it Mm. having been through this whole experience I still don't think that I am the person Mm. who could be a surrogate and and those people who are they know in their heart they do and it, it's just, it's sort of simple and pragmatic for them. And it's such an amazing thing. Yeah. I do think you need to have that mindset. You do need to know yourself. Mm-hmm. You possibly know need to know that you've completed your family as well. And knew that she didn't want any more children after the two that she'd had. She knew that she'd had um, very good pregnancies with both of hers. She had two home births. She didn't have a day of sickness. And she always said to me, you know, had I been had uh, morning sickness for six months, it might have been something that I wouldn't have offered. But she just felt that it was right for her and right for us. So I always was certainly worried about if a friend or, or a family member had done it, that I would feel this pressure once having had the baby to be sort of the most perfect mother. Mm. And would they, would I ever be able to complain or what if I was doing something and they thought, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. Do you ever have those <laughs> concerns with them? Um, I think we've got a very honest friendship. And actually, one of the first things I ever said to her is, what if one day you really annoy me and I feel like I can't tell you because of what you've done for me? What if you upset me, you know? And we always agreed that as long as we're honest with one another, then that is the most important thing and it shouldn't actually go on to change who we are as people what our friendships you know about so no I absolutely text her when I'm like Leo's been up all night are you actually joking is this your fault you know (laughs) she's yeah she loves hearing she loves hearing that side of things I think she yeah I've just got to be honest with her all the time I think that comes down to any relationship between an intended parent mm. and a surrogate is it's got to be based on trust and communication and however you do it 
that is going to form the basis of, of a relationship and a successful surrogacy journey. Sophie B, did you like how did you build that bond with Rebecca? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that that people worry about doing surrogacy in the UK is you have to go on blind trust. And how do you trust someone that you don't know? And I think the answer is it's almost impossible to know to trust fully trust someone that you do know in that way and it's just about instinct and just forming a bond and I think when we met Rebecca so she messaged me on Instagram and she sent the most amazing message that that felt like if I was going to offer to be a surrogate for someone and I really wanted to do it that's how I would write it it was very pragmatic she she said that she'd always thought the surrogate would be quite easy for her because the same she had really easy mm-hmm. pregnancies she enjoyed it she doesn't feel that she's a particularly emotional person but I think she is but then we we just met her and we just clicked straight away she was brilliant and she answered a lot of our questions without us asking them and I think that really showed me that she had done her research and she'd really thought this through and talked to her husband and and we were right luckily we just formed this bond she feels like part of the family we just we just trusted her from the beginning and I just relied on that trust. I think one thing, other people found it a bit more difficult. Like my dad would really worry about, he he met her and loved her and thought she was brilliant, but he used to phone me coming towards the birth and say, I've just been thinking about Rebecca's hormones. And I'd be like, <laughs> okay, dad, what are you thinking about? And he'd, be, he'd say, well, you know, all women have this hormonal surge when they give birth, and which is true. Isn't it like day three or something where, your milk comes in and then that's supposed to be the hardest day after the birth and he said what she's still got six weeks that she could change her mind what if she decides then and I said well we can't know that we just have to trust her and actually on day three I messaged her and said oh I hope you're okay today I'm sure today is going to be really hard for you and if you want to talk or face someone she was like what are you talking about (laughs) I'm having sushi in the garden it's brilliant how are you (laughs) I always I think people often with an international journey sort of say, don't think that you need that same level of trust. And especially when it's commercial thing that you can sort of dictate. And I always say to people, regardless of where you are, you, I don't think you should consider surrogacy if you don't think you can fully trust another woman to look after your child. And it's not appropriate or respectful to try and stipulate how someone else should live their life you just have to trust that that woman is going to look after your baby in the same way that she would have looked after her own children and her Mm. own pregnancies and and you've got to start at that place and if you don't think you can do that surrogacy probably isn't going to be for you and that's something that's really difficult because we did two embryo transfers with an American surrogate and we had difficult relationships with previous ones and we realized that the trust wasn't there and actually when we spoke to our surrogacy agent about it about the first one who it was breaking down and she was being really uncommunicative not telling us about appointments and then getting quite aggressive and we thought we were so desperate to do this and to carry on because it's such a long process to even get to that point where you've met the surrogate and they're going for treatment we didn't want to break down so we just I was thinking, if she's like this now, how is she going to be in the pregnancy? But I was trying to bury those yeah. thoughts. But our agent said, well, you know, she can, you have a contract, but any time until she's pregnant, she can just pull out. 
And we didn't even realize that at the time. So you we really literally need that trust yeah. the whole way through. What would be your top tips or advice to people in terms of building a, a good relationship with a surrogate, Sophie S? Like we've said, I think the trust element, it was different for me because I already had that relationship with my surrogate. And like you said earlier, Anna, I had got to the point where I didn't trust my own body. So I needed to trust her body. And I think that having, whether you go down the independent route, whether you use an agency, I think it's about clicking with that person, isn't it? It's about trusting your gut, um, imagining. I, I, I listened to a, a podcast the other day and it was a surrogate speaking. And she said, from her perspective, it's about imagining you at the birth of that child. Can you all see yourself? you know bringing this child together you know into the world together because you are a team at the end of the day it is communication is massively key I think it's we didn't really set boundaries between me and M, but we we knew each other's boundaries without without saying what they were in terms of she knew when I needed some reassurance from her about whether the baby was kicking how she was feeling that type of thing and I knew when to stop asking questions stop asking how how are you feeling today you know I respected her boundaries so I think that is also another key thing to think about in that relationship between the surrogate and the intended parents I think what you were talking about being honest that is such a vital part of the journey and it's quite difficult from the intended parent perspective because you don't want to put pressure on someone mm. you don't want to have them feel like you're anxious yeah. about what they're doing so it's a very delicate balance but we had a we still got actually I was just messaging the group but we had this four-way whatsapp chat me and my husband her and her husband and I would scrutinize that chat but I couldn't say what I was feeling so one day she didn't answer a message and she would always answer a message like within an hour she's got two sons so it would always take her a little time and just didn't answer it, didn't answer it. And then it got to the afternoon and I had to convince myself that she was having a miscarriage. She'd gone to hospital. She didn't want to tell us until she knew what was happening. And her husband also wasn't answering because he was there with her. And I was writing a message and I was I was going to send it. And I just thought, but, it, but the message was just, you know, really ambiguous it was yep. just keeping checking and my husband was like just leave them they'll be fine they're probably at the cinema guess where they were <laughs> and I only told them about that when they came around for dinner after the baby was born and they were like why didn't you tell me why didn't you say that you were that anxious and I said because I don't want you to feel like you always have to explain what you're doing or where you are to us yeah. and she said well, well I wouldn't feel like that but she said something really interesting that I actually wrote a column on which is I couldn't do what you do we're all saying, you know, how could you be a surrogate and I couldn't be a surrogate. She's at that in that conversation said, I didn't think about how anxious you must have been the whole time and I couldn't be an intended parent. Yeah. Holly always said to me, I feel like part of my job is managing, not just looking after this pregnancy, but managing you. Mm. And we did have this agreement because of the eight hour time difference. I'd have to wait all day that at three o'clock our time, which would be 7 a.m. her time, she would message and say, it's okay, I can, you know, the babies have kicked or something, mm. just so I knew. And I just needed that little bit no, of reassurance sure. every day. Otherwise, I would just go, a bit like when you're waiting for that kind of 
first text from like a date it's that's the feeling and it just is it's awful one of the I don't know about you I was thinking about when we announced to friends and family that we were having children to surrogacy what kind of what that felt like and the questions people asked and people often just said to me you know what does it feel like kind of watching another woman carry your baby and I know for me I, I just always felt so grateful and we'd had such an awful time I just I was kept thinking I just can't believe we live in a world and a time when this is possible mm. 20 years ago it wouldn't have been Sophie B how did you I think by the time you have got to a place where your surrogate is pregnant you've done so much coming to terms with your own situation that you are just so in wonder and mm. grateful but that doesn't mean that you can't feel sad sometimes or get a little pang of jealousy sometimes I'd always feel guilty if I had those feelings but they didn't last very long and I just have to say to myself it's that it's totally natural but I didn't find it difficult to get to get around them it yeah. was very rare that I'd have them because I'd already come to terms with it and I just loved I mean you didn't have this because yours was in another country mm. but I loved just being able to see the bump grow and feel it yeah and just think god this is crazy it's so it's so crazy that it's super special and it's just a really nice positive experience yeah so if you was it do you think it was more complex for you knowing em or having that friendship already it was always something that i was concerned about before we went through it because obviously I see her all the time and I knew that I would see that bump and that bump was you know our baby and I think it took me a little while to get over the grief of not being able to carry our own child and I'd actually never really I'd never allowed myself to feel a bump at all within those six years I just couldn't I couldn't even look at bumps Mm. you know walking down the road but when Em was pregnant and then I could see the bump growing and I knew it was our little baby and we'd been to like midwife appointments and I would always hear his heart well his heartbeat I say now at the time it was you know the baby's heartbeat I didn't feel yeah like Sophie said I it was just really positive there were moments where I was like I do wish it was me but then I would feel him kick and it would just the end goal for us was to have a baby regardless of how that baby was going to come into the world by that point. So I would say it was definitely more positive than I imagined it to be before we started going through the journey, for sure. Yeah, I found it quite difficult to to really understand that that was my baby. Mm. I felt I didn't feel like it was hers, but I just fe- it just felt so abstract. But I know a lot of women say that about their own pregnancies yeah. that oh, so, and that was really good thing to talk to women who had had their own babies, mm. all of my friends. But just to understand that that feeling is really normal and it's not actually necessarily a part of being on the outside of the pregnancy. Yeah, I think on top of that also, there is a little element of, I didn't allow myself to really acknowledge it till we were quite far yeah. down in, in our first pregnancy. And because we, I didn't tell work for ages because I didn't have to, so it didn't become such a sort of, it wasn't tangible for, for a very long time. And I would say actually... Then when we were pregnant with the twins, I sort of felt like I owned that pregnancy much more. With Ida, I felt really kind of conspicuous, not having a bump, and I slightly sort of skulked around Mm. in John Lewis looking at prams. Whereas once I was a mother and had Isla, 
I told anyone who would listen that we were, that the twins were coming and just felt, I guess, more confident mm. in myself yeah. to sort of say, I'm a mum and mm. I'm going to be doing yeah. it again. Because you've normalised it because you realise out the other side, it is really normal. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're just a parent like any other parent. Like you say, I think it's the confidence, isn't it? Before you have that first baby via surrogacy, you've been through this journey to get to that point and you're feeling very unconfident. But as soon as you get that little bit of confidence and belief, it becomes a lot easier. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We've obviously all touched on it that. For most women who come to surrogacy, it is usually after some long, very difficult struggles with infertility. And so the point at which you start surrogacy, you're obviously already quite broken and lost and lots of anxiety. You lot For lots of people, you probably already had the sort of financial impact of loads of IVF and surrogacy in itself is really expensive. It's just a really hard time. And I think for a couple, it ends up for a long time, sort of fertility and what you're doing sort of defines your relationship. That is sort of, hi, I'm Anna. I'm trying to have a baby. That's (laughs) what you do. How how did you and Mr. B kind of cope with with all of that? I feel really bad for my husband because (laughs) when we met... I fell in love and we just moved in together after a year and then I got sick. It was literally like a few days after we moved in. So our relationship has kind of been defined by overcoming adversity. And I think he proposed to me after I rec- after I finished my treatment for cancer and he just said, we've been through so much together already and it's made us stronger that it's like we've had... 30 years of relationship in one in one Mm. and a half or two and a half so I think we already know that we're resilient we know that struggling is hard and as a couple it always does put a strain any kind of difficult situation puts a strain on our relationship but we understand that that's okay and we will get through it because we have before I think this is a different kind of struggle because a lot of women who are infertile feel guilty 
and they feel bad that their husbands, you know, should be able to have a baby with their wife. And, you know, we've had stupid arguments where I've said, you can go and meet someone else and just do it. That's fine. Just go. I'll do it on my own. Or, you know, silly yeah. things like that. And it's like you're pushing them and pushing them to, to yeah. make sure that they say, no, no, I want to be with you. And that's always the case. So I think it, it has defined our relationship in a really good way. Yeah. We're just, we're proud of each other and we're proud of our family. I know it's, I was, I feel a bit smug, but sod it, we've been through so much, I'm allowed to be smug. (laughs) I always think that kind of level of pain and anxiety, you can never forget it, Mm. but in its place is this kind of resilience and strength Mm. and patience, because mostly infertility is about being patient and having to be patient. And I think we are a better couple for it. And I think, I'm hoping that some of that kind of patience and strength we pass on to the children. I think makes or breaks you I've said quite a lot of times to people that have asked me that before we have been together since I was 14 and he was 16 and we traveled the world before we even started trying for children so that was always our sort of getaway and then we got into this infertility battle and it was like oh hang on our lives have been perfect up until now what's going on you know we're childhood sweethearts we got married we've been able to travel the world and then it's like bam hang on here's your here's what your you know the difficult times are coming And I remember there were a a few times where he would pick me up off the floor where I just, we'd been for another round or I'd had another miscarriage. And he would always say to me, Sophie, if it ends up being just me and you, then that's okay with me. And I just knew that he would always be there regardless of how much I shouted at him or I cried. On the reverse as well, I, I had to be there to support him even when I was really broken. And after our last round, our fifth round or sixth round, I forget the number, we decided actually at that point that we needed to get away. So we took career breaks and we jetted off to Australia and California and New Zealand for two or three months it was. And we just needed that time. We needed to reconnect and not talk about babies and not talk about fertility and IVF and everything. And it was on that trip that we decided that we would go via uh, through surrogacy. So I just think sometimes you need to clear your head a little bit because it is like a roller coaster. And I always used to say, I feel like I am at traffic lights and it's always red, it's always red and I can't. Everyone around me is, you know, going through and having their children and we're just stuck. Cause you do, you feel stuck in life. You feel like you're not moving forward and everyone else is and everyone is whizzing past you. So I think, we've got through it and we are more resilient for it that's not to say that there weren't difficult times because there were (laughs) (laughs) so let's kind of go to everyone's pregnant Mm -hmm. thinking about the birth at what point did you start talking about the birth and your birth plan and how that was gonna gonna be right at the beginning when we decided to do surrogacy I knew that I did not want to be at the birth because I thought if I watch another woman give birth and then I take the baby, I will feel like I'm taking her baby. And I would go and have like meetings with agencies in America and I'd, and they'd say, why do you want to do it? Sorry, it's a terrible accent. <laughs> and I'd say, oh, no, 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 I don't want to be there. And they'd always look, look at me really knowingly and be like, you'll change your mind. And I'd talk about it with my husband. He's really squeamish, so he d- didn't want to be there. <laughs> so he was like, that's fine, we'll be outside together. And then when we met... Rebecca and the pregnancy was real I was like oh my god if I can't be there I don't know what I will 
I don't think I'll ever get over it. I was so desperate to be there at the birth because the pregnancy was so all of us together and it was so exciting and tangible. And I was really sure that that baby needed to see me first and I needed to hold her. And it was just, it was so obvious that that was always going to be the case. But at the beginning, I had a lot of things to deal with. When you were talking to Rebecca, did it inform your decision to move forward with the birth plan? Uh, well, she, did we it just work out. We talked about it, I think, in our first meeting, and she said because we're always very respectful. You have to be respectful mm. about this woman. That is actually their time, yeah. And they need to be the most comfortable. And if that's us out of the room, that's a hundred percent her prerogative, as far as I'm concerned. And she, we said that to her, and she said, "Oh no, no, no! Just whatever you need. If you want to be outside, that's fine. If you want to be there, that's fine." She was just so easy about it. But then COVID happened and it looked like we couldn't be there. Then it looked like one person could be there and we had a real decision whether would it be her husband or would it be me. And again, it was one of those moments where we didn't talk honestly about it. And I just thought, I can never ask her to make that decision. That's not right. Of course, her husband should be there. But then who holds the baby? Because everyone says all the advice is that the surrogate shouldn't be the one who holds the baby because that would be difficult for her and I just thought if I'm not there to hold the baby and she's not supposed to hold the baby no one's going to hold the baby and she must understand that and she didn't want to put it on us so she wasn't saying what she thought should happen which was if it comes down to it of course it should be you and and I'll be fine with you and without my husband she just always had this amazing honest pragmatic way of looking at it and sometimes when it was a delicate situation we were both reluctant to talk about it because we didn't want to pressure the other person yeah but we were always on the same page how about Sophie you and Em how did you get to a birth plan so Em is a hypnobirthing teacher so she runs the mindful birth group and had like I said two home births but we got to about it must have been 25 30 weeks and we started having discussions about things and she came to us and said how would you feel about having an elective uh, cesarean she had pictured this in her mind and we were getting into covid times and she just felt that that was the right decision for her and the baby and for jack and i as well so we discussed it with doctors and we she put forward her opinion and you know reasons why she felt that that was the the best thing for this pregnancy and they completely were all on board so that for me I was grateful that she'd made that decision she included us in those discussions of course but I could picture that I could picture us being there in surgery with her rather than like you said Sophie the thought of watching her give birth of course I would have been there but this way I knew that you know this is the date we're going in on hopefully obviously anything can happen with, with going into labor and we had always said if she did go into labor spontaneously that we would continue with that and you know that would be the way that the baby was coming but yeah so we discussed everything with doctors and we had a c-section date put in and that date was a week after the first national lockdown. So obviously extra complications then. And they said that only one of us would be able to be in surgery. And I had obviously always pictured Jack being there as well. 
So I spoke to the head of midwifery and I actually ended up writing a letter and just said, look, I know we're in really difficult times. If there was any sort of way that we could both be in the room after a really long journey to get this baby, that would that be allowed? And she called me up literally the next morning and said, I will get you in there. I, I know, I understand what you've been through. I understand that it's important if we can get, you know, both the mother and father into surgery. We just can't have you catch COVID, obviously, because <laughs> otherwise neither of you will be in the hospital. So Jack and I self-isolated for uh, 10 days, or no, a week or 10 days before the C-section date. So we missed the last midwife appointment. That was all uh, M FaceTimed us. So, and we didn't see M for the part, the last two weeks of the pregnancy, obviously with everything going on, but we knew that if, as long as we didn't catch it, we would be at, at Leo's birth. I missed the birth of all three of my children oh. and it's still, it's still the, my biggest regret. And it happened because you know, these things happen, yeah. you can't plan birth, mm. but it is the one thing that still really pulls at my heartstring. And if I see, mm. you know, if I see bumps on the TV or... Yeah. Instagram shots I don't find that that kind of upsetting but if I see the birth of a mm, child mm. it's the one thing that that really gets to me yeah. we were all also allowed in the room mm. and my husband was behind a screen for the most part <laughs> but Rebecca had an epidural because she wanted to be as comfortable as possible and she didn't want me to to uh, feel bad about seeing her in pain how amazing is I mean she? it's incredible <laughs> when she was pushing she had I was on, on at the head end I was had my hand on one shoulder and she and her husband was on the other side holding her hand and she would do this em, enormous push not make any sound because she was pushing and like right at the end of it she looked at me and went it's okay it doesn't hurt <laughs> I was like think about yourself <laughs> it's complete I just couldn't believe she did it and it was so funny everyone in the room was like it was it was a really lovely Aww. experience and I think it just shows that kind of if you get to a point where you can build up that relationship with your surrogate then you that surrogacy can be something to really enjoy and have yeah. this amazing experience it, it's not just it's a thing special. to get through it can be an amazing pregnancy experience. and I think it's sad that people like me think I don't want to have to resort to surrogacy because you do resort to it as you said there are, you you have to get there at the end of a difficult journey but it shouldn't be something to be feared no. it yeah. is it is amazing and I think the conversations around it have been very negative or controversial or you know mm exploitative and I think it would be really nice to change that narrative yeah. and, and show that it just can be a really wonderful experience. Absolutely I look at my three children and I still pinch myself that they're here and I genuinely have three daily reminders of just how amazing women can be yeah. and how much generosity there is in the world and how much love and it and it it takes me back every single day I have that and it's amazing. Yeah. You know, I often say that from going not knowing anything about surrogacy uh, to having a little boy via surrogacy it saved me it saved me and my husband going through that process and science is amazing yeah. and women are amazing in lots of ways we're really lucky so and lucky we spent we spent all that yeah. time beforehand going oh I'm so unlucky why yeah. is this happening to me and now I feel extra lucky because yeah. obviously our children are the most special children in the world <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, I guess both of yours are that much younger. Do you, have you started thinking about kind of how you're going to talk to them about their route into this world? Have you... I want to write, I want to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an idea about 
a little children's book that I think would be nice because I think lots of people they do books for donor conceived children or gay parents yeah but it's quite hard to find one that's in my situation donor conceived and surrogacy Mm. but I think to to your point that you were just saying we've got cats at home and I always think that it's really as well as just being obsessed with them it's lovely to have animals because I think they teach you love and respect they teach children love and respect and I just think god what's Marley gonna learn from knowing this about herself she'll learn so much more than the other kids in her class mm. I think should be open to it already but I, I'm not sure how I'm going to start the conversation <laughs> at the moment it's just mommy's putting your nappy on yeah mama's giving you food <laughs> how do you how do you integrate mama's friend Harry <laughs> we started very I mean with us I guess because the children were born abroad so with Isla like her nursery from day one at home is full of kind of memorabilia from India and pictures and we have a picture of all of us in India and we have a picture of Chapala so it's just always been without talking about it it's always been in the house and part of our lives and then obviously as she got older we just always talk about mummy's tummy's broken and so another mummy helped us and she's so but how do you start the conversation do you literally go right I'm going to talk to her about this now I've never sat her down and said this is a conversation it was always just part of our vernacular that we'd talk about India and Shapala and mummy's tummy and so it just it it, yeah it just kind of was an everyday thing and obviously way easier because then we were having the twins she kind of then saw it and she now just you know she's proud of it she'll tell anyone and it just is it's just normal in our house yeah so Leo was one last month so for his birthday I actually made him a little picture book which basically explains it in in child's terms with photos of me and my husband and M and hers and the Molly and Theo so every page you know it starts with mummy and daddy really wanted a baby and mummy's tummy was broken so a friend came to offer so I just thought that was kind of the best way to start with him and we'll read it to him bedtime from an early age and then I also printed him out Em and I wrote a blog the whole time that we were going through it so I've printed him out all the blogs in a bit more of an adult version (laughs) for when he's a bit older as well. Did either of you think about breastfeeding? It is possible for some people to induce lactation if they want to for me I decided not to I don't know if either of you did I had a mastectomy after my cancer so I don't have a greatest relationship with my boobs but I just didn't feel like I needed to I think I still could have on one side but I did I didn't ever feel that urge I thought about it for about five minutes and I think I did one google search but for me, I still didn't believe until M was maybe 30 weeks pregnant that we were going to have a baby. So there was just no way I was going to, you know, take any tablets or hormones because I genuinely thought it would be a waste of time. <laughs> and then it was too late. But yeah, like Sophie said, I, I didn't have the biggest urge to, to do that. I actually know a couple of women who have not with their first and then gone on to try with their second. Because again, you're, you know, the that this, you can own that pregnancy more, you're more willing to accept it, mm. you're not so scared. But it, it, you know, and it works, it can work really well, but it's it's for some people. I just love bottle feeding. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think, I never really 
I'd watched the other mums breastfeeding and I never had an urge or I never felt disappointed that I wasn't doing it. There are loads of benefits to bottle feeding. And I did write about it in my column, The Mother Project. And I got a lot of comments from people like, you should have, it's amazing and the baby doesn't get what it needs from bottle. (laughs) Well, yes, she does. And her dad could do it. And that was really (laughs) lovely that he could be you know we were both outside the pregnancy that was a really unique experience that we could share that normally the dad is on his own and then we could both feed her I just felt really lovely and inclusive Mm. and you don't have to worry about leaking there are so many benefits (laughs) (laughs) so you got your babies pushing them around in the pram life's great I always had a slight I never knew how to deal with it and I always felt guilty when especially with the twins they were tiny and I'd be in a shop and looking at some clothes or whatever and people would constantly say oh my goodness you look amazing I can't believe you just had twins and I never knew I was like I don't want to go through my entire you know gynecological history with with (laughs) random people but I always felt really guilty for not saying Oh, I didn't carry them. Did you ever have have that? My thing is always just thank you. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just easier than getting into it. Or, I mean, I didn't have a thing of like, you look great. I think probably after twins, that's more yeah. spectacular. <laughs> but no, I just, we I talked about it with my husband because there's a lot of people in our local area who never saw me pregnant, you know, neighbours who don't know. And then suddenly I come out with a baby and we and it's quite convenient that there was a pandemic. You don't have to explain yeah. it. Just like, just let them infer. It's easier. Yeah. <laughs> that was my style. Yeah, I, I do jump at it. I do tend to, if anyone says, oh, I didn't know you'd had a, a baby. I do tend to say, oh, he was born via surrogacy. And just literally that's, that's all I say. And then they don't really know what to say <laughs> with that. So they'll be like, oh my God, that's amazing. I think Em got more of the questions than I probably got prior to having Leo, you know, oh, you're having a third. And she would always feel like she had to put the record straight. Yes, I am I'm having a baby, but for my best friend. So I think she got more of the raw end of the deal because a lot of people would ask her questions. But now, yeah, I'm really proud to say, oh, yeah, he was born via surrogacy. It's simple, you yeah. know, the way that you both yeah. say it. I think yeah. sometimes yeah. people feel a bit uncomfortable because they don't know what yeah. to say. Yeah, they don't. You know, no. when people say to me, she looks just like you, she's got your eyes, she's got your hair, then I think it's inappropriate for me to say, well, she doesn't actually. <laughs> Thanks. So I just say, do you think? Yeah. Because yeah. then it's a really nice, yeah. ambiguous way that doesn't that doesn't offend anyone. So I guess the kind of obvious or big question is, would you... Are you both considering doing it again? Is that is that something on the cards? I mean, we've got one frozen embryo left. Now, M was always stated from the very beginning. She was a one-time, you know, she wanted to give us a baby, but she doesn't feel like she could do it again for various reasons. I mean, she's so busy. She's got two children, and I just don't think it's probably right for her. So if we decide, we we will use the frozen embryo, but we need to figure out how. (laughs) So independently, possibly looking for another surrogate or going through an agency, going through my surrogacy journey, potentially. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely want to try for a sibling for Leo. And if it's just meant to be him, then we know that we've tried. Yeah. Um, So yeah, watch this space. Who knows? I always thought that it would just be one I never particularly planned for the feeling of wanting another Mm. one and I think it's only when we met Marley did we think I'd love her to have a sibling I do feel like I can't I look at her and I think I love her so much it's not possible 
to love someone else in the same way and then I feel bad for that future baby that little frozen embryo <laughs> who is in a freezer in Russia it's a very similar story with mm. Rebecca as well but I think she was very apologetic about not wanting to do it again mm. and I just think that's there's absolutely no need because a lot of women who do surrogacy feel such an amazing sense of satisfaction yeah, and fulfillment and at, at, the, at what they've done there's no question of well you should do it twice or you yeah you might feel differently about it I just think that's their story and that's yeah. amazing so yeah we are looking for another surrogate <laughs> I think that the journey takes such a long time and I feel like Marley's only just going to be one soon I'm not ready for a baby but then it's very different when you're planning a surrogacy journey thing. it's it not can like take years, yeah, it can take it? years so it's not like you could just try and get pregnant and then you might have yeah. one in nine months wouldn't that so, be nice yeah <laughs> but, I, but I'm happy I'm happy to sort of start now with no pressure mm. and hope that she might have a little brother or sister. And I think that's the lovely thing about a sibling journey is that it is so different from your first because you already have one. You're already yeah. a mother. You know it can happen before you have your first. It's so you just can't believe that you're ever going to be a mother mm. after everything you've been through. Yeah. And you're not at, you can't be as focused on it because you've got a little, another child yeah. to look after. Um, so that second so. surrogate is going to have like second child syndrome. Yeah. That's yes, going to be difficult. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I think because obviously M was my friend. Yeah. But so it, I but would never was... want anyone to feel like, oh, you know, I can't compete with yeah. her friend. But actually it's a very different journey yeah. and it will be just as special just in yeah. a different way. And, and it might even be nicer, like you were saying, because you're not vulnerable. You're not coming from mm. that place where everything is full of anxiety yeah. hopefully hopefully <laughs> yeah if there are people listening thinking about surrogacy or have just found out or know that yeah that is going to be their route to motherhood what would you what would you both say to them oh I get because I write about my story in the times I get lots of amazing messages from people who say I didn't think that I would be able to do it or a lot of a lot of the um, questions about egg donor egg donorship because I think that's something that women find maybe a little bit more difficult to get over is not is having a child with someone else's egg and how will I feel about that child not being mine and because I'm out the other side and now I'm writing about how this child is mine is mine there's no question and if it wasn't that egg it wouldn't be Marley and I've had a real lovely influx of messages of people saying that they were really worried about it and now they know that they're going to feel differently on the other side so I just think you've got to just trust everything feels insurmountable and like you can't imagine that you'll be able to deal with that or you'll feel that way and just I'd say just wait just wait and see and you won't believe how incredible it is and how resilient you can be yeah yeah I would say surrogacy is magical it's the one of the most magical experiences of my life that's for sure looking at Leo and he would not be here without the magic of surrogacy and science and it just is bewildering really that there's women out there that can help help you you know just jump in and take the risks and do it because you will not regret it once you've got that baby in your arms you just there's just you won't have any regrets at all everything will just disappear and That's... you will know someone who is that special. I call mm. Rebecca our, our angel of mm. the north because she's from North <laughs> London. But just to have someone that special in your life, that is mm. really amazing. Yeah. And to have them there all the time and then and your child will have 
will understand that people can be that incredible. That doesn't happen to that many people. So it's mm. in, in a lot of ways, it, we're very lucky. It's obviously no coincidence that the three of us are sitting here talking about this. Surrogacy sticks with you. You can't shake it off because it is that amazing. Mm. We're all talking about it and mm. I just hope other other people yeah. realise that it can be just such a beautiful way to build a family. Yeah, yeah. it is different because it's unusual but it is just also really normal out the other yeah. side like it's not something that you always have to deal with or recover from or explain it's just you're just a parent mm. and it's lovely and wonderful and then you've got this extra special part of your story and these children are so wanted aren't they <laughs> yeah. i mean they can't be more wanted no. <laughs> so they're always going to grow up knowing that as well yeah. that's why i used to always say twilight it took a lot of love to bring you yeah. into this world absolutely <laughs> Thanks so much to the two Sophies. I hope you took as much from that episode as I did recording it. If you'd like this, then please go to listen to the rest of the series. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, and My Surrogacy Journey members portal. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Anna Buxton. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.